Second Chronicles chapter seven, a very, of course, very familiar chapter of uh, of Chronicles and, and even of the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter seven, and and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand with us this morning, out of respect for the reading of God's word. Second Chronicles chapter seven, and we're going to begin reading in verse number twelve. We're going to read down through right, right around verse number twenty one this morning. Second Chronicles chapter seven. And look, if you will, at verse number 12. Hope you brought your Bibles today. And the Bible says there, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and then, of course, here's the famous verse that we use so often, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What a great verse. But I don't want to use that verse today. I want want us to read a little further. The Bible says, verse 15, Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked and do according to all that I have commanded thee and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is high shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? You may be seated this morning. I couldn't get settled on the, on the title today. I'm just going to call this How to Keep the Attention of God. I, I started to call it God's Presence Comes with Requirements. I started to call it how to keep the blessing of God. But then the Lord showed me a verse, and I'd read it many times, but I never really never really noticed it until I'd, I'd you know, just at least tried to choose a title for the message today. And the title comes from verse number, uh, verse number 15. The Bible says, Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayer of that is made in this place. When I read that, I thought, okay, well, maybe this title does fit right here. And so how to keep the attention of God. I don't know about y'all. I want God's attention. Man, I want to know that God, I want to know that God's paying attention to me. The last thing in the world I want is for God to leave me. And I know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I understand that. I understand that's scripture. And, uh, but uh, at the same time, how many know that if God wants to, God can remove his blessing. And God can put his spirit and his blessing on a church. And if that church gets 
you know, high and lifted up and proud and, and familiar with the blessing of God, how many know that God can take that blessing away? God can do that to a home or God can do that to a marriage. Uh, God can do that with an individual. And so I, I don't want that to ever happen uh, to me personally and I don't want it to happen to my family and I don't want it to happen to our church and our church family. And so I want to I, I give you a message that God really impressed upon my spirit and uh, I really want our young people to listen up. I'm going to address a few things in the message today that are just a little bit controversial in our, you know, right now in our society and some things that have even been addressed by the news this week and some things that I feel like ought to be addressed from a biblical perspective from the pulpit. And we'll not get too bold this morning, but we will be frank today and we'll be honest today. And so I want you to, uh, you, pray, you pray that God will speak through your pastor and you pray that God will give you here, uh, ears to hear and so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. And so let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be back in the house of the Lord. And Lord, it's been a good morning this morning. We've enjoyed the Sunday school time, had a great, sweet time of fellowship. And then, Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together in the service. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll bless in the junior church service that's going on right now and help Brother Jerry and all the good workers down there this morning and then those that are helping mind the, the little ones down in the nursery departments. I pray that you'd be with them. And then, Lord, it could be there's some that are watching by way of overflow room today and I pray that you'd, your, your spirit would be there today. And then, Lord, I think about all those that are watching by way of live stream uh, this morning. And God, how I pray. Uh, and, and some may be close and others may be in distant states. And God, I pray somehow that your Holy Spirit would, would make its way through that, uh, that technology, which I don't even understand all of it, but I pray somehow that your Holy Spirit would minister in a great way even in that ministry. And Father, I pray that you'd touch us and breathe on us, and I pray that, that your precious and wonderful Son would receive glory and praise and honor, and I pray that we'll make much of Jesus today. Help us to do that. I pray for your power and your blessing. And God, as we close this prayer, if there may be one here among us that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would come to Christ and give their heart life to Jesus Christ. Lord, bless our, our discussion, please. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, amen. I, notice, if you will, verse number 16. That's our text this morning, verse 16. And God said, for now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Now, I read that weeks ago, but when I read it, God, God it just reached out, spoke to my heart, and I made some notes, and, and I figured I'd probably be going back to it before too awful long. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, Calvary, I want us to notice what the Lord did not say this morning. I want you to notice that the Lord did not say that his name and his eyes and his heart would be in this house forever. That's not what the Lord said. He said, my name will be there forever. But then he said, mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. 
Now, I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I believe I have a, an every word Bible, and I believe I have a Bible that don't, doesn't have mistakes in it, and I believe that God put every word there on purpose. And so uh, God didn't say that his, that his name and his mind and his eyes, uh, his heart would be there forever. He said, my name will be there forever, but he said, my heart and my eyes will be there perpetually. Now, the word forever there means this. It means time out of mind. In other words, it's hard for you and I to understand forever. Uh, it's hard for us to understand eternity, which is what that means. It's the idea of eternally. And so he said, my name will be there forever. Time out of mind. It's going to be there. It's going to be there forever, for, for eternity. But then he said, my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. The word perpetually there, although it conveys the idea of continually, it means a division of time. Now, the word perpetually means from sunrise to sunset. Uh, is if you study it out, is what uh, the implication is there. And so follow me now, follow me now. God is saying this, my name will always be associated with this house, with this place. But he said, having mine eyes and my heart at this house is a very different thing. He said, although my name will be there, having my heart and my eyes there is going to require some things. For instance, there are a lot of churches around America that are known as a house of God. His name is there. His name is, uh, is uh, registered with that house, uh, regardless of the denomination, regardless of what they're preaching a lot of times. A lot of those Houses of God are not preaching the Bible. A lot of those houses of God have no preaching, uh, but yet they're called a house of God. They, they just, that name is forever there. They're called a, a house of God. Regardless of whether they're lively or whether they're dead, they're called a house of God. But listen to me, and listen to me closely, Calvary, but not every house of God has the eyes and the heart of God. And it's important for us to understand that. There is a difference. And there's a reason that God put this scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 like he did. Now, let me, let me illustrate. Uh, I, I love children. I do. I love, I love all kids. And kids are cute. You know, kids are cute. Kids do the craziest things, don't they? And they say things and do things. And, and, uh, and it's just so funny to see the way kids do. And kids are cute. And, and I love all children. But I thought about this. But not all children have my heart. But on the other hand, Moses has my heart. And he has my eyes. Now, I love them all. I love every one of them. But there's just something about when it's yours, you know, when it's, when it's your grandbaby. And you say, well, preach, what about your kids? Well, they still have it, you know. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, <laughs> they're still in the picture. Don't get me wrong. And, uh, but these grandkids, there's something special about these grandkids. And so I love all these, all these little ones, and especially our little ones in the church. I love them because I'm their preacher, and I love them. But you know what? Uh, but Moses is mine. I mean, he's mine. And he knows, by the way, he knows that he has my heart. He knows that. And he knows he has my eyes. And he knows pretty much he can get pretty much anything he wants anytime. Uh, all he got to do, he can't ask yet, but he can, you know, he can make a motion and, and, it, and it pretty, pretty much gets, uh, gets fulfilled. Uh, now, again, uh, a lot of churches have the name of God, but not the mind and not the heart of God. 
uh, when my wife and I go to California, Lord willing, we're going to California in, in June. We'll be holding a marriage workshop uh, in California for Brother Zach and Miss Amber and Haven Baptist Church. And uh, as often has been the case when we fly into Los Angeles, and some of you have, you flew into LAX there. Man, oh man. Uh, I mean, it's own, it's, it's its own city. I mean, the thing, it never stops, never stops. I remember several years ago, we went to, uh, some of our men, we went out to a conference, and our flight coming back was going to leave at 5.15 a.m. We were going to fly out at 5.15 a.m. So we had to get to the airport at 3.15, two hours early. Well, North Carolina, North Carolinians, and so we thought, wait a minute now. We're going to get to the airport at 3.15 in the morning. There won't be anybody there. Famous last words. We got to the airport. We got there on time. We got there at 3.15. By the way, thank God we did. When we got to LAX at 3.15 in the morning, we could not believe there were 10 million people in our line, just in our line. Now, uh, my wife and I, we fly, we fly to California, and as we uh, get off the plane and we make our way into LAX, well, there's kids everywhere. And there are children there that are greeting parents or grandparents. And so as we make our way through LAX, well, there's children all over the place. But there are only three in that big, gigantic airport that have my eyes and have my heart. Now, I see other little kids, and I might wave at them and say, hey, how you doing? It's cute. You got a cute little baby. But you know what? My eyes are scanning the crowd, and I'm looking for this little blonde that's eight years old, and I'm looking for this other little blonde named Mason and this other little boy running around named Josiah. That's what my eyes are looking for. And by the way, when I finally find them and we make our way through security, oh, it's hugs and kisses and, and, uh, and uh, man, just squeezing the life out of them. And, now, wait a minute. What makes the difference? They're mine. And so, uh, so I love every single child, but they have my eyes and they have my heart. And God said this to the church. He said, I'll keep my, my name is going to be there forever. But he said, I'll keep my eyes and my heart there perpetually. He said, I'll keep my mind and my heart there, my eyes there, day after day, from sunrise to sunset, from morning to evening. God said, I'll keep my, my eyes and my heart there unless you do two things. Now, I want us this morning, I want us to look at those two things. God said, I promise you, you'll have my attention. You'll, you'll keep my blessing." unless you do two things. And I want us to look at those this morning, if we could. Notice in your Bibles, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 19. He said, but if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword. That word byword is the idea of cutting and a byword among all nations. So God said this. God said, I'm gonna, God said, I'm gonna keep my, my eyes there and my heart there unless you do two things. Number one, God said, I'll, uh, unless there is a turning to something. Now again, notice what he says. Verse number, verse number 19, 
But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I've said before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. God said, if you turn to other gods, I'm going to take my eyes and my heart away. If you turn to idolatry, that's what he's talking about, then my eyes and my heart will no longer be at that house. Now, what is an idol? An idol. That's what he's talking about is idolatry. What is an idol? You know, we don't, in this land at least, we don't have uh, gods that we bow down to. And so somebody, somebody might ask, preacher, what is an idol? An idol is anything that takes your worship away from God. Anything that you may place before the Lord. In other words, when God has no longer has first place, whatever you put before God has become an idol. That's why the Bible makes mention of money. And so sometimes people say, boy, money's evil. That is not what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible never said that money was evil. The Bible said the love of money is evil. In other words, if you get so consumed with making money that God gets put on the back burner and that you no longer give God the preeminence, that money can become an, become an idol. And God said, if you turn to anything other than me, God said, I'm going to pull my eyes and my heart away. I thought about this. Sports can be an idol. Oh, we've got the Super Bowl that's going on tonight. And, uh, and I'll mention this in the service later tonight, but people will, will spend uh, unbelievable amounts of money to go to the Super Bowl tonight. And, uh, and I'm not against, my, my wife and I, we like football. We like to watch football. Uh, we like to play tennis. Uh, we like sports. I like to play a little golf every now and then. It don't play me good, but I like to play it. And, but, but, you know, if you're not careful, you can let sports become, uh, become an idol, a pleasure, or even family or tradition can become an idol. Now, here's what he's saying. Anything that you've turned to that has caused you to turn from God uh, is going to cause me to take away my eyes and my heart from you. Now, think about this. It's much more difficult for a spouse to be loving and supportive if the other spouse has turned to someone else. I mean, if you know, now thank God there can be restoration and God does that all the time. But I'm just saying, if a spouse has turned to someone else, you know, it's hard for there to be that love and that support there. And yet, a lot of times, we expect God just to get over it. I mean, we just, you know what, we take God and we say, God, if I can fit you in somewhere, I will. But I'm so busy and I've got so many things going on and, and I just don't know if I can fit you in right now and you're just going to have to be okay with it. And I want to tell you what, God doesn't have to be okay with that. In fact, God said, you know what, I promise you I'll put my name there. I'll put my stamp of approval upon you. You'll get my attention, my eyes, my heart. But God said, if you turn to some other things, God said, my eyes and my heart will no longer be on that house or family or home or individual. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. So we see, first of all, a turning to. And I sort of handled these in a flip-flop manner, but I meant to do that. Number next is this. We see a turning away. And I want to stay here just for a few moments. A turning away. Again, notice our scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 19. The Bible says, but 
if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them in this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and I will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. So God says, if you turn away from several things, and I'm going to handle these two things. Number one, God says, if you turn away from my commandments, my commandments. Now, what is a commandment? Well, the word commandment there means law, the law of God. It means precept, the precepts of God. And God said, if you turn away from my laws, if you turn away from my precepts, God said, I'll, I'll take my presence from you. I'll take my eyes and my heart from you. How many know that when a law is broken, bad things and tragic things have a way of happening? You think about this. Someone's out on the interstate and they are, they are speeding excessively, breaking the speed limit law. You know what can happen? If not careful, that can cause a horrific crash to take place. Someone is going down the interstate and they're not paying attention to the road. They're texting. They're texting while they're driving. By the way, that's not a good idea. Amen. Uh, you've heard me say, I can't even text when I'm not driving, but I, I, I definitely can't text when I am driving. And by the way, most people can't. You say, I'm good at it, preacher. Well, you're not as good as you think you are and you shouldn't do it. But somebody's texting going down the road and they get distracted and, and they, they're breaking the law. And because of that, uh, it can cause a terrible, uh, a, a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. For instance, somebody may be drinking and driving. They're breaking the law. And uh, they didn't necessarily mean to, but they, they're breaking the law. And here comes some little innocent family down the other way, and that drunk man crosses the yellow line, hits them head on, uh, sends a little child into eternity, uh, uh, breaks the back of a mother or the neck of a dad. And why? Because they broke a law. They broke a precept. Think about this. A man can jump out of an airplane and try to break the law of gravity. But if he does not have a parachute, it's not going to turn out good. Now, think about it. Now, now our, our nation is so mixed up. And I know this is very simple preaching this morning, but I want you to really give me your heart this morning. Now, think about it. A guy jumps out of an airplane and breaks the law of gravity, and you say, have you got a parachute? Don't need one. Yes, you do. And somebody says, Pastor, but you don't understand. You don't understand how much money he has. No, how much money he had. It doesn't matter how rich he is, by the way. It doesn't matter if he's white or black. It doesn't matter which side of the tracks he grows up on. It doesn't matter whether he is a very nice man. When you break the law of God, there's going to be some consequences to pay. Now, church, I want you to listen to him this morning. This new abortion bill is breaking the commandment of God. There's no debate. There's no argument. You say, Pastor, it's not politically correct. Doesn't matter if it's politically correct. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Listen, it is breaking the commandment of Almighty God. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. 
Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 17. Thou shalt not kill. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 21. Thou shalt not kill. Romans chapter 13, verse number 9. Thou shalt not kill. Mark chapter 9, verse number 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Listen to me, church. This is not going to work out good for America. And I don't care how you, how you try to spin it. And I don't care if you try to put a, 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 a bow on a pig. It's still a pig. And I'm telling you, we will not murder the innocent unborn in America and not receive the judgment of God. You say, well, pastor, I know some people disagree with you. Brother, I know a lot of people who disagree with this book. But the book is still the book. And God's law is still God's law. And when you break the law of God, and how many know for many, many years God's blessings has been on this nation? Man, if you've ever traveled abroad, you know what I'm talking about. Good night. And I know some of you kids don't understand. You're living in the most blessed nation in the world. It's almost unbelievable. You don't have to travel very far out of the United States to understand that there is poverty beyond belief. Wait a minute now, wait a minute now. And many, many years ago, those founding fathers went to those countries seeking gold. And now they are among the most godless nations and poverty-stricken nations in the world, but yet we had some fathers who came here seeking God. And they said, we want God, and we want to worship God, and we want the freedom to worship God. And because of that, God has blessed our nation. But wait a minute now. When you begin to break the laws of God, you know what's going to happen? God said, my name may be there, but mine eyes and mine heart. He said, God said, I will take those things away. Amen. And so we see a turning away from his commandments. But I want you to, oh, listen. If you, if you turn me off, turn me back on. I want all of our young people, all of our teenagers, and I, I, I'm not old. Well, thanks for all the amens right there. <laughs> I'm not old, but to these young people, I'm a dinosaur. But I want to tell you something. You know, the Bible says, but the gray head comes wisdom. And I'll help you immensely if you'll just listen to your pastor. You may, not, you may not understand everything, but if you'll just listen to your pastor, I promise you, I'll help you this morning. God not only said turning away from the commandments, but you notice he said turning away from the statutes. Look at it again. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 19. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments... Now, what is a statute? Interesting. The word statute there means a limit. Or it means, and I love this, it means something prescribed, a prescription. Or we would say it like this, a recipe. And so God says, hey, America, Calvary, God said, I've given you some recipes. I've given you some statutes. 
I've given you some prescriptions. And he said, I know that sometimes these prescriptions, you know, sometimes you take medicine and it's just, ugh, you know. But even though it tastes bad, how I many know sometimes it works? And God says, I understand you may not understand all these, these statutes. I understand that you may not understand all these recipes, but God says as long as you will abide by these recipes, God said, my eyes and my heart will stay there with you. Now, what are you talking about? All right. All my young people, I want you to listen. I want to show you some recipes that God's given us. How about this? Number one, love, marriage, sex, children. It's God's recipe. That is God Almighty's prescription. And God said, if you will, if you will follow this recipe, you'll be blessed. Oh, I wish I could tell you how blessed you'll be. Oh, kids, listen, would you do it God's way? I want to tell you what, oh, it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It's great having a great relationship with your kids and having your grandbabies come over and, and cry because they got to leave mama and papa's house. And I'm telling you, man, it's just wonderful living a life like that. But here's the thing. If you follow, listen, this is not Hollywood's recipe. Amen. Hollywood has taken the first word, they threw it out altogether. What's love got to do with it? And so they took love and they said, ah, we don't need that. Go ahead and throw that away. And the next word, marriage, we don't need that either. We just throw that away. So they tell us today that less and less people are living together or less and less people are divorcing. That's what less and less people are divorcing because more and more people are living together. They're not making a commitment in marriage. Now, kids, listen, I'm just telling you, if you'll follow God's order, God's recipe, you'll be blessed. And so God's prescription is this. Young people, fall in love with somebody, and you know what? Take some time and court them. Get to know each other. Get to know what he likes, what she likes, what he doesn't like, what she doesn't like. Get to, uh, you know, have some things that you enjoy doing together uh, and take some time and court. And then, you know, you fall in love. And then when you fall in love, you know what? He, uh, uh, he takes some time one day and gets out in the park or he gets you somewhere that's romantic and, uh, and he gets down on one knee and he opens up this little box and he says, I, you mean more to me than this world does. And, and, uh, and he gives you a wedding or, or an engagement ring and proposes to you. Oh, you say, preacher, they don't do it like that anymore. They do if you do it right. And by the way, you young ladies, if you'll hang on and wait for God, God will bring somebody in your life who will love you like that. And you get engaged and then you get married and then you live together in holy matrimony and then sure enough, here come the kids. But wait a minute now, that's God's recipe. God says that's, that's, a, that's a precept. How about this? I got to hurry. How about this? This is God's recipe. Work. Save, buy. Now, we got it all cattywampus in America. So the world says, we don't need that first one. Let's throw it out. We heard that this morning during prayer request time. We have several, several business owners in our church. And just in the last little bit, I've had conversations with three different business owners, and the conversation was exactly the same. Preacher, pray for us. We're having a time just trying to get employees that'll just work. And so 
We've got people now who won't work. Is, am I all right? Is this okay this morning? We're okay. I'm going to finish in just a minute, but it's just time to preach for just a few minutes this morning. So now we've got folks who are saying, you know what? That guy's so lucky because he drives that nice car. He's so lucky. And isn't it amazing? He gets luckier every day when he gets up at 530. And he works till 530. And it somehow he gets luckier and luckier all the time, and, and he's got this nice house, you know. Maybe not, maybe it's not a mansion, but but it's a nice home. And, and they say that guy, he just gets all the breaks. Yeah, he gets a break every morning at five thirty when he gets up and he goes to work, and he works every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then he works overtime, and then he he gives his always there, and uh, uh, and he works, and because he works, he's able to save, and because he saves, he's able to buy. But then that low down, lazy rascal lays in the bed all day and won't hit a lick, won't work in a pie factory, brother. It ain't lucky. It's lazy. That's the problem. Now, I know that's old-fashioned preaching this morning, but we need some old-fashioned preaching every once in a while because you know what? That is God's prescription right there. Hey, young people, when you get old enough, get a job. It's the way you do it. It's the way you do it. When you say, preacher, I put my application in one place, put it in two places. Put it in three places, four places, five places. Well, you say, preacher, I, you say, preacher, I went somewhere and they weren't going to pay me but $10 an hour. <laughs> preacher, I went somewhere and they weren't going to pay me but $8 an hour. Listen to me now. This isn't real deep. $8 an hour is better than $0 an hour. Now, this is God's plan. Work. Saved by, listen. Hey, young people, listen to me now. You know what? You know what the, you know what the average 20-year-old wants now? He wants what mom and dad have when mom and dad are 50. Amen. And what they don't understand is mom and dad have worked their tail off. I know I shouldn't say that, but that's the way it is. They have worked their finger to the bone, and they've saved and scrimped and saved, and they've been able to accumulate a few things. And then that, that 20-year-old comes and says, I want to drive the Cadillac. I, I want a big house like that. Listen, you know what? You don't get to where they are when you are where you are. What you have to do is you have to work first and save and then buy your own stuff. Amen. This is, yes, praise God, this is right on target this morning. Get your job and work. Work, 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 work hard, work hard, work hard. Don't you be lazy. Don't you stay at home. You get, and by the way, you can get a job somewhere. And work and save and buy. Goodness, 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 we got to hurry. How about this? This is God's recipe. This is God's recipe for the home. God, Father, Mother, children. It's God's statute. But we've got it all messed up. We've got it all messed up. So now America has taken the first word, we've taken that off completely. So now we're knocking on doors and we say, are you going to church anywhere? No. Okay, well, where did you used to go? Didn't not going to church anywhere, not serving the Lord, not taking their families to church. Did you know you'll never have the home that God wants you to have until you put God first in your home? And so uh, God said, I need to be first, then father, then mother, then children, and now we've got it all messed up. So we've taken God completely out of the prescription, and now the children come first. 
You watch the average sitcom and see if I'm not telling you the truth this morning. The kids run the whole thing, and then mother sort of holds it all together somehow. And daddy, he's just some kind of bumbling idiot. Can't even hardly tie his shoestrings. I mean, he's just, I don't know what he's there for. He's just hanging around, you know. Is that how Hollywood portrays it? But God said, if you want to have the home that has my presence and my blessing, this is the recipe. God, Father, Mother, Children. How about this? It's a recipe for church. This is God's statue. Christ, pastor, deacons, congregation. Now, if you get that any other way, you're in trouble, and a lot of churches are. 80% of churches right now are in a plateau or a decline in America. All right, so pastor's a good thing, but if you take the pastor and put it first, you're in trouble. Because I love this church, but it's not my church. This is my, don't get me wrong, Calvary's my church, but this is not my church. I'm just a steward of it, that's all I am. And so if you put the pastor first and you take out Christ, or if you take the deacons, a lot of churches, you take the deacons and put them way up there at the front and the deacons and the pastor and the congregation and Jesus, I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. God said, hey, world, I've given you some recipes. I've given you some, some prescriptions. And he said, if you'll follow my statutes, he said, I promise you, my eyes and my heart will be there. Everybody doing good? Everybody ready? This is God's recipe for marriage. God, man, woman. It's God's recipe. So preach, I don't agree. I don't, it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree. It's God's recipe. And so, if you take God out of the equation, you don't have a good marriage. Did you know that? Did you know in the beginning it was not a man and woman? You say, no, a preacher, Adam and Eve. In the, in the beginning was not just Adam and Eve. Amen. It was God, Adam, and Eve. There were three to make a marriage. There were three. If you take God out of the equation, you're going to have a problem. If you put God, man, man, you're not following God's recipe. If you put God, woman, woman, by the way, if you put man, man, woman, woman, you can take God out of the equation because no, God's, God's not within 10 miles of that. This is God's equation. This is how God wanted it to be. By the way, he didn't ask my opinion, nor did he ask yours. God said, this is my statute. This is what I want you to do. This is what you need to follow. And he said, if you'll follow this, he said, you know what? You can have a marriage that has my heart and my eyes and my mind in it. We're done. We're, we're going to bring this thing to a close. Go, go back. Let's see. Let me... Take me to that last. I'll get it, Alan. Let me, let me go back because I want you to see this last one. Maybe God wants you to see these one more time. Last one. Ready? This is God's recipe. Conviction, repentance, belief. In other words, God said, you know what? I want to work on you. I want to work on your heart. And as I work on your heart, you know what? There's going to be some repentance. You're going to say, I need Jesus. And repentance is a turning to the Lord. And as you turn to the Lord, you're saying, you know what? I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. And then you believe, Lord, would you save me? Lord, would you come into my heart? 
and would just save me today. Now, Calvary, listen to me. God is saying this, if you don't follow my recipes, my eyes and my heart will not be there. Now think about this. There's a lot of ladies in this church that are pretty. A lot of ladies are pretty. But there is one lady that has my eyes and my heart. She's right down here in front row. It's Tammy Pope. Oh, I love all of our ladies, but there's one lady that has my eyes and my heart. And God said, you know what? There'll be a lot of churches that say they're the house of God. But he said, if you want my eyes and my heart, there's some requirements. Oh, listen, Calvary. Let's do business with God today. I don't know about y'all. I want God in my home. I want God, man, I want God so bad in my marriage. As I, as I love these little grandbabies and try to make an impact upon these grandbabies, man, I want God to be involved in it. We want God in our businesses. We want God in our church. We want God in every ministry. We want God to be there. And let's make sure we do what God says. Let's, all, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time we've had together this morning. Lord, I appreciate the message. And Lord, it spoke, it's, it's ministered to me today. And God, I pray that you'd help us in America. God, if this nation's ever going to get back to where they need to be, the church is going to have to lead by example. And God, we're going to have to start following these statutes and these commandments of the Lord. Father, forgive us for those times when we turn to other gods. And then, Lord, forgive us for those times when we turn away from your commandments and your statutes. I pray, Heavenly Father, if there might be one here today that doesn't know for sure they're saved, I pray, God, in just a moment they'll come and let us take the Bible and show them how to be born again. Have your way. God, it could be that you've dealt with somebody today about an issue in their personal life. And maybe, Lord, today somebody needs to slip down very quietly down to this altar and just renew their their commitment to the Lord or rededicate their life to Christ. Lord, today it could be somebody needs to just come down and say, Lord, today... I'm coming back. I'm rededicating my life. I've not been where I need to be, and I know it. God, I want you to forgive me and restore me and use me. God, whatever it might be, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there may be one here today, anywhere, all over the house. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to try to pull you down an aisle. But I wonder if there might be one who would say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I would really appreciate it if you would pray for me and you'd slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you. Is there one right now? You just raise it real quickly all over the house. Pastor, remember me if I died. I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Is there one anywhere this morning? We're going to, in just a moment, we're going to stand. Our heads are going to be bowed just for a few moments. If you need to come, the altar's open. Many have already come. 
And if you need to join these, you're welcome to do so. Now, if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I need to make a public profession. Just let folks know that I'm going to invite you to come today. It could be that you've been saved, but you're, you've not followed the Lord in believer's baptism, and you need to make yourself a candidate for baptism. Then, then you come today, whatever it might be, whatever it might be. You obey the Lord today. Church membership, it could be many different things. I want to encourage you to come as we wait. So, Father, have thy way in the invitation, and we sure thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand this morning. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor will make his way to the main floor, and if we can help you or pray with you, we're here for you. You come today while we wait.